Well, in just a moment, I'm going to read from Lamentations chapter 3, later in chapter 3, a little farther over. Um, and remember, again, context. If, you're not, uh, if you've not been with us previous Sundays, you know that during the season of Lent, we're in the book of Lamentations, and we're thinking together about love's sorrow, about the, the painful side of loving and caring, of opening our hearts to God and to mystery and to one another, the pain and the hurt of loss, Uh, the various grief processes we go through. We want to turn a corner and think about how that can help us into deeper faith. So in just a moment, I'm going to read from Lamentations chapter 3, beginning of verse 25. But right now, let's bow our heads together for a word of prayer and a brief time of meditation and reflection as we open our hearts. You are mighty God, You are everlasting Savior. You are the mystery that surrounds us every moment of our existence. And we, Lord, love and cherish these moments of silence, meditation, and reflection in your presence. In an ever-changing world that seems to be just swirling around us, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. You are the one unchangeable reality in our lives. We pray that in the midst of swirling change, chaos and disorder, you would teach us tenderness, patience with one another, and your ways of mercy. Keep our spirits sweet. Keep us from growing bitter in times of hardship and challenge. Today we pray for our nation and our world. We pray for refugees everywhere, for war-torn nations, for the homeless everywhere, for those serving in our armed forces to keep them safe. We thank you so much for the liberties that we enjoy in this country and for all of our privileges of Christian citizenship. We thank you, God, for your watch care over the ill in our congregation, those facing surgery, those facing personal dilemmas, those facing family crises. May your Holy Spirit surround them and comfort them and touch them. We ask, God, that today you uh, bring order out of the chaos in our hearts, that you will, through your word and through your Holy Spirit, through this message, Help us to order our lives even in the midst of suffering and in the midst of our sorrows. Let the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now I'll read from Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 25. If you stand, if you're able. And uh, we will listen carefully to God's word. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait patiently or wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for one to bear the yoke in youth, to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it, to put one's mouth to the dust, there may yet be hope, to give one's cheek to the smiter, And be filled with insults. For the Lord will not reject forever. 
Although he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. When all the prisoners of the land are crushed underfoot, when human rights are perverted in the presence of the Most High, when one's case is subverted, does the Lord not see it? And then to verse 55. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help, but give me relief. You came near when I called on you. You said, do not fear. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, the dilemma that we have been dealing with throughout this Lenten season is the dilemma that God's people dealt with in the book of Lamentations. It's a perpetual one. How do we match up our life experience with our expectations of God? What we're experiencing in our lives in terms of doubt or struggle doesn't always match up with what we expect God to be or God to do. And there's that tension there. And it's that tension that we have to be honest about. And so we look to Lamentations, these verses that I read a moment ago. And the first thing I want us to acknowledge, as Lamentations teaches us, is that we have to accept our suffering. That sometimes is the most difficult thing of all, isn't it? To accept our suffering. Whatever our brokenness, doesn't mean we have to like it doesn't mean we have to plan to stay in it forever, but we have to come to grips with reality and accept the suffering that's in our lives. Uh, If you uh, would let me just read a portion of that again from verses 25 and following. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, the soul that seeks Him. It's good that one should wait patiently for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for one to bear the yoke in youth, to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it, The writer of Lamentations is saying that sometimes it's good to just sit with the reality of our pain and to acknowledge it. I remember uh, after the horrendous Las Vegas shootings, there was a community prayer service at at First Presbyterian Church the Sunday afternoon following. And some of us were there and as a, a part of the singing of hymns and the reading of scripture and the prayers, there was a time to go to the altar and and to light a votive candle as the names of each of the victims were read out loud so that they become more than just a sound bite or something you see on the screen of your computer or ink on the page of the newspaper or just a name you hear or a statistic. The reality of real people with real names and to just absorb that suffering nationally and personally Sometimes it's helpful to sit with our pain, to sit with our loss, to deal with it and to acknowledge it. It was only after Mother Teresa died that the world became aware of the deep periods of depression and darkness that she suffered, her her nighttime of the soul uh, that she struggled with. Uh, Her diaries and journals were discovered after she passed away. Everyone thought, well, Mother Teresa, she's so close to God. Mother Teresa, she's, she's such a saint. She does so much good and she loves God so much. And yet, we read that during her lifetime, she suffered uh, what she described as a time of interior darkness. Uh, 
distance from God, a heavy emptiness. I like those adjectives because they're so descriptive. Heavy emptiness, an interior darkness, a sadness of the soul. And and then she said the worst of all, it wasn't the suffering. It was that, that sense that her suffering was meaningless. She'd studied about suffering. She'd taught about suffering. But she'd reached the point in her life where the suffering seemed meaningless. And that was Mother Teresa, whom we uh, tended to put up on a pedestal. And, and maybe hearing that story, she's served us yet again by helping us realize, well, if that happened to Mother Teresa, then maybe there's help for me. Because I have those dark times. And I have those times of doubt and, and struggle. And we have to be honest with it. We have to accept our suffering as the Lamentations narrator says. See, one of the things that we don't even realize is that we spend an awful lot of time and energy on what the psychologists call pain avoidance. Most of us don't like pain. Most of us don't like discomfort. So a lot of our energy is expended on what's called pain avoidance. Whatever we can, the path of least resistance. And and it's a normal activity. But the truth is that pain and suffering can be our teachers. That if we will sit with our pain and our suffering, the irony is that if we sit with it and face it and name it, we begin to realize that that suffering does not define us. That suffering is not us. We are greater than our pain and struggle. God is greater than our suffering. But it's only when we turn around and face it and sit with it that we come to that realization. There's an interesting word used in uh, the 25th, the very first verse I read from Lamentations 3. The Lord is good to those who wait. Now the Hebrew word for wait is so packed with meaning because... Wait, as it's used here, does not mean loitering or goofing off. Wait does not mean hand in the pockets, whistling absentmindedly. Waiting in the Old Testament means an expectant longing and a faithful sort of waiting. It is a an expectant faithing, a a trusting that says there's something beautiful wrapped deep inside this mystery. There's something good that God is doing and I want to watch for it and I want to be ready for it. I want to wait with expectancy. It's a sort of pregnant expectancy that something good is going to be born. Renita Weems is a pastor and a preacher and she has this beautiful definition of faith that I like so well. Faith is what you do between the last time you experienced God and the next time you experience God. Isn't that true? The book of Lamentations describes a people of God, a nation going through a dry time. They can remember experiences with God and they look forward waiting and longing for a fresh encounter with God. But in that valley, in that dry and dusty time, faith sustains them. 
And you've gone through those times where you've had great experiences with God. But now maybe God seems so far away, so distant. But in between those two experiences, that's called faith. Faith is what we do between our last experience with God and our next one. So we have to accept the pain. Here's the second thing Lamentations teaches us from the scripture this morning. And that is that God is not the author of our suffering. You know, you hear all kinds of sick theology out there. God's punishing you. Uh, God's out to get you. God's angry with you. This happened because of something that happened, you know, when you were 14 years old or some bad choice you made. God is not the author of our suffering. Suffering is very mysterious, very, very difficult to comprehend, but God is not the author. Because listen to Scripture. Scripture says, the Lord does not willingly inflict or grieve anyone. Verse 33, Lamentations 3. The Lord does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. See, if in your suffering you can come to this place where you know God loves you, if in your suffering you can come to the place where you can really rest assured that God holds you in those great, big, strong, wonderful hands. If you can trust that God's as good as God says God is, that, that there's no deception on God's part, then you can really handle anything so long as you believe and understand that God loves you so deeply. That's a love that heals everything. There's a poem by uh, R.H. Grenfell. Uh, Grenville, that uh, has always meant a lot to me, and I dig out every once in a while to guide me and to help me. The poem goes like this. Time heals, they say, to those who bear the weight of grief. Oh, I've been there, and this I know. It isn't so. It's love that heals. Time doesn't care. Think about that a moment. You hear that all the time. Well, time heals. No, it doesn't. Time is indifferent. Time is neutral. Time just is. It's love that heals. Time doesn't heal. Time can actually make us more bitter. But if we really trust God, if we really believe the God who sent Jesus Christ, the God who pledged His very life to us by giving us His only Son, the God who deposits His Holy Spirit, a portion of Himself within us. If we really believe God loves us, that's what heals us. Our healing doesn't come from some concept, a vague notion of the cosmos or of time. It's God's love that heals. God is not the author of our suffering. We have to trust God. Believe that God is love. And that his love endures forever. Well, here's the third thing that Lamentations 3 teaches us about suffering. We mentioned already that we have to learn to accept our suffering. And secondly, that God's not the author of suffering. And here's the third one. God is present with us in the suffering. Look at verses 55 through 57, which I read earlier. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help, but give me relief. 
You came near when I called on you. And you said, don't be afraid. Do not fear. God is present in our suffering. It's not always apparent. The Lamentations narrator says, you know, I was down in the depths of the pit and I cried out, God, unstop your ears. God, don't close your ears off. There was that, there was that doubt. And then came the reassurance. I love the story of the two uh, Jewish rabbis who were just being honest with each other. They were close friends and they got to talking about the injustices in the world. They got to sharing and recounting all the ways in which life is not fair. And then they grew a little more agitated as they talked with each other. The ways in which God had shortchanged them. The times God had not heard their prayers. The times that they felt abandoned and deceived by God. They grew angrier. And one of them said, I, I, just, I just don't know whether I believe in God anymore. The second one said, I'll I'll go one better. I don't even know if there is a God. And they sat silently for a moment after they'd said all of that and they sighed and one looked at the other and said, well, brother, it's time to go pray together. You see what was happening? They had permission to be honest to say the raging in their soul. And then after they got it out of their system, they could go pray and talk to God. It's okay to have a quarrel with God. Just make sure it's a lover's quarrel. It's a lover's quarrel. Lover's quarrel. It's okay. The great Jewish scholar Abraham Heschel said, when I am told I must submit to God, God feels distant. But when I am told I can ask questions and challenge God, God feels near. When I'm told I must submit, this is the way it is, I don't have a voice, God seems far away. But when I can have permission to move around and say what I think, God's close. Heschel also talks to us about a great uh, rabbinic tradition in Judaism where they describe three ascending levels of mourning or sorrow. The lowest level of sorrow, the most obvious, is to mourn with tears, the obvious one, the need to cry. The higher one is to mourn or to grieve with silence, to just sit, as the writer of Lamentation says, to sit in silence, to accept our suffering. But the highest form of grieving, according to rabbinic tradition, is with psalm. And that's why we sing, and that's why we worship, and that's why we need each other. Because we sing together, not only in times of joy, but in times of pain. And in our times of 
pain and struggle. We're never alone. We're never solo flight. God is always with us. And God's people, the company of believers, are with us to help us sing together. So whatever you're going through this morning, whatever journey you're on, you're not alone. You get to sing with God's people, the lamentations of our faith. And you get to sing with God's people, Lord, you came near when I called on you, and I heard you say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's the song we sing together. Amen.